the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. 800-600-8192. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hour two here on the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm happy you've tuned in. Coming up, our interview with uh, General Tata. Uh, it's spelled T-A-T-A, folks, and I'm... First off, the general is a very capable guy. I don't want to mispronounce it. I don't want to say Tata. Don't want to say. Uh, uh, I, I just don't want to say. I don't want to mispronounce it. So I, I, every single time I look at it, and I'm about ready to tell you about it, I want to make sure I get it right. It is Tata, uh, T A T A, and we'll ask the Brigadier General about uh, all manner of things uh, going on. Uh, what's going on in North Korea? What's happening with Donald Trump? Uh, there, there is a soundbite out there by David Ignatius that we will play. And it's basically how Trump is being received around the globe with others who had an up-close and personal experience with President Obama's, shall we say, uh, style in governance. Which was to say, uh, when he was trying to do uh, military operations, he was half-hearted. At best, because Barack Obama didn't do military operations to win. He did military operations for politics and only when he had to. All right, let's get to the flip around. Today, we will lead off with the Fox News Channel. The economic agenda that America's voted for getting through, particularly with the backdrop of the markets hitting recently all time highs. You couple that uh, just with the sort of angst that you get when a market has come this far this fast. And we got the sell-off that we witnessed. Yeah, they just need any excuse to sort of unload some uh, some profits, right? Uh, that's Neil Cavuto and talking with uh, our buddy Charles Payne, who has been on the show, uh, who I really, really like. I like Neil Cavuto as well, but Charles Payne is a, is a great guy. And what they're describing is a Dow Jones and in 30 industrials right now is down 158 points, folks. And I think in the, in the Wall Street vernacular, it's a sell-off some profit-taking, if you will. Uh, many are concerned by the meteoric rise of the market, but uh, the backdrop of all of this, of course, is the, the protests happening at the G20 summit. They are protesting capitalism. They're protesting freedom. So the leftists are out in the streets. And uh, to, to go to the experts on leftists, let's go to uh, MSNBS. On Russia, but two hours earlier in a press conference, he was out there beating up on his favorite targets, the mainstream media, our network here and, and, and CNN uh, across town, calling them fake news and asking the leader of Poland if he agreed yes. with him and then and then uh, really offering some real uh, wishy-washy mucked up language about Russia saying other people in other countries were also involved. Uh, mucked up language. Huh? Well, Newt Gingrich has said, too, that we ought to be looking into the influence of all nations on our elections. 
Do you disagree with that? Who is this? Well, it doesn't really matter. Some twit on MSNBS. He also got the quote from the president wrong. By, he turned over to the, the president there in Poland and asked if he, if he had something similar to the biased press over in his country. But she, she misquoted Trump and then she characterized what Trump had said. These people call themselves news people. Let's go to the guy who asked Barack Obama what enchanted him about his office. The hard-hitting Jeff Zeleny over at CNN. Distance there, and I can tell you just in the last couple minutes since Fred Pleitkin was on the air earlier, there has been considerably more uh, noise, more sirens, more drums banging, more people in the distance. So there's no question as night falls here, uh, there are uh, police standing by for an uptick in protesters. You can uh, feel that the, the tensions happening, Pamela. Again, so far everything has been uh, peaceful. There's been uh, nothing uh, that we know of out of the normal in these G20 protests. The president, for his part, his motorcade whipped by all of it. We're told he didn't see a thing, Pamela. Right. It's going to be a long night there, as Fred pointed out as well. They still have miles to go in their protest. Jeff Zelny, live in Hamburg, Germany. Thank you very much for that. They have miles to go. Those struggling protesters, those leftists. I mean, do you guys get the, the feeling that these folks in the press have a great deal of sympathy for the leftists? A great deal of, uh, I, I don't know, they seem to identify with these anti-American, anti-capitalist, anti-liberty folks. A lot of these folks in the press identify. They've got a long way to go. <laughs> uh, let's go over to Fox Business. I have mere months after America's bitter civil war, the SS Republic was back. Okay, that's a commercial, I think. I thought they were inside of a... Oh, you know what? That, that kind of freaked me out or, or faked me out because over on Fox Business, they keep the, they keep the ticker going. So I thought they were doing something patriotic, <laughs> but no, it's just a commercial. Uh, they keep the, the ticker for the Dow Jones 30 industrials and the SNP and the NASDAQ. They keep it going. So it kind of the banner in the lower uh, portion of your screen, I guess they emulate the folks over at CNBC. Who, who, by the way, is in programming right now. These index funds really are. And Vanguard's just one of them, by the way. Taking a look at some of the client flows. This is Bank of America, Merrill Lynch's own clients in aggregate and what they've done with regard to single stock trading volumes. <laughs> and then it goes out. Okay. <laughs> I'm not having any luck on the flip around today whatsoever. It, it says, please wait. <laughs> MSNB, uh, MSNBS, uh, I'm sorry, CNBC just went out, just said, please wait, and uh, it's gone. And they, they, they were just doing uh, their, their market watch. So uh, not much as far as uh, politics are concerned there. Uh, but, you know, it's all in the backdrop of this G20 summit. That was funny. <laughs> I go to Fox Business, nothing going on because they're in a commercial, and I go over to MS uh, or CNBC. Sorry, I, I don't mean to lump CNBC in with MSNBC. They're they're part of the same properties, and they they do have a lot of left wing bias there on CNBC too. But as far as doing something that is legitimate, CNBC hits the mark more often than MSNBS does by a long shot. Telephone numbers: triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Poland says U.S. Patriot missile. 
uh, we're getting them, courtesy of Donald Trump. So, and and that is a that is a good thing, folks. And we told you about this earlier that not only are they going to get these missiles that they've been waiting for since two thousand and eight. It was pre two thousand and eight when uh, President Bush had agreed to a missile defense shield because of a belligerent Iran. And then uh, one of Barack Obama's first acts as an incoming president, because Vladimir Putin was upset, um, came in and basically said, oh, we're going to put the kibosh on that. And and uh, Barack Obama puckered up and uh, Vladimir Putin showed America his rear end. And Mr. Obama said and took away the missiles. And it took this long and a pro-American, pro-allied president to come back into power to fulfill that promise. So that's where we find ourselves. So uh, not only did did we pledge energy supplies to Poland, but also a missile defense shield. And Vladimir Putin, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that Vladimir Putin sat down and talked to Xi Jinping over in China first before a meeting with Trump at the G20 summit. So uh, I think this sent, oh, if you want to do business with the communists, go right ahead. Do business with the communists. I'm not going to, if you want a friend in the United States, you better start giving us something. And if not, then we're going to start taking care of business. That's a message that's being sent to the Chinese and to the Russians alike. Uh, Be right back, folks. It's Chris Alcedo show here on The Blaze. Conservative talk. Spicy. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen, dial, speak. 888-900-3393. As I traveled across Syria, meeting with um, Syrian uh, fighters who were trying to take down the regime of Bashar al-Assad, every time the name President Trump was mentioned, there were there were cheers from the audience. Uh, once a Syrian Kurdish commander uh, used a vulgar term in Spanish, it would be cojones to describe the what President. Trump has got. That's David Ignatius from the Washington Post, who was surprised that freedom fighters all over the globe are elated with the change at the top here in the United States because actually America is back. And we are hearing that throughout Europe, throughout uh, the Czech, uh, the Czech Republic, Poland, the Baltic states. We're hearing it all over the globe. America is back. And it's uh, it's about time and it's just in time because things are really degrading fast out there. Let's talk about this and and many other things. Retired Brigadier General Tony Tata. He served in the United States Army for 28 years before retiring in 2009. His latest combat tour was in Afghanistan in 2007, where he earned the Combat Action Badge and Bronze Star Medal. He's a national bestselling author of several books. His latest is Three Minutes to Midnight. Uh, General Tato, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. Sir, can you hear me? I can, yes, now. Hey, Gen- uh, General, I am glad uh, glad to have you here, sir. Uh, first off, let's let's start off what David Ignatius was talking about. 
in in the Middle East and the effort against ISIS. Uh, there seems to be success, success after success in ISIS, and many are crediting Donald Trump's uh, getting out of the way of of his generals, letting his generals and those on the ground make the calls. Whereas in the last administration, they were micromanaged. Not me saying it. This was even uh, guys like Leon Panetta saying they were micromanaged to death from uh, political bureaucrats inside of the uh, inside of the West Wing. Uh, do you think this is a, a good move by the president? And that's why we're seeing success. Yeah, Chris, you're exactly right. I, I think that, uh, you know, President Obama was um, an extreme micromanager, Ash Carter, uh, was a policy wonk from Harvard, knew nothing about combat or war fighting. And, and so what we've got now is guys like Mattis and uh, McMaster and they're advising President Trump and President Trump's a, a leader that, uh, you know, uh, divests and, and uh, delegates power. Uh, to the people that are closest to the action. And that's when you get the best results. We have very, very good leadership in the military today on the ground prosecuting these wars. And by loosening the rules of engagement, and for example, even in Afghanistan, General McNicholson was able to drop you know, the largest non-nuclear bomb in our arsenal, uh, essentially. So massive ordnance airburst um, bomb. And uh, a few months ago, it made big news when he did that uh, on in Tora Bora Mountains on ISIS hideouts there in Afghanistan. And the same thing we're seeing here, you know, that ever since January 20th, the uh, fight in Mosul and Raqqa um, has accelerated. And uh, also notice that, uh, we are in Syria with boots on the ground fighting ISIS. It's it's sort of gone under the radar a little bit, and I think the mainstream media doesn't want to give President Trump uh, credit for any of the success. But, uh, the, you know, we have al-Baghdadi on the run. Uh, we are uh, reclaiming terrain that we had won during the Iraq war and uh, under Obama's watch then lost to ISIS when he – when he called them the junior varsity, and and now we have reclaimed it again, and yeah. and uh, or or in the process. So yes, uh, absolutely, leadership makes a difference. Uh, president Obama was the most incompetent uh, foreign policy president in the history of the United States, and and uh, we have paid a dear price for his utter lack of interest and pure incompetence in foreign policy. Oh yeah, indeed, and he surrounded himself with a whole bunch of of politicos uh, and a bunch of weasels, Democrat and liberal weasels, whose main objective wasn't to win military objectives. Their main objective was to play politics and use the fighting men and women of the United States military as political pawns. And they were, it got so bad, uh, General, we all heard the stories, that, uh, that administration officials were calling up generals on the battlefield and wondering, gee, that might not play well in the press and trying to get them to change their battle tactics so it could fit some stupid political narrative, their left-wing uh, political narrative back home. Let's switch, if we can, uh, to what's going on in North Korea. I've heard it often said, General, there, there are no good solutions here. Where do you see the situation with Kim jong uh, uh, Kim Jong Un going? Well, you know what I see, Chris, right now is the the big thing that sort of has the any response or deterrent option that we use 
uh, checkmate it a little bit is that North Korea's um, center gravity is their artillery, their non-nuclear artillery. They have very, very good conventional artillery. These are uh, Russian-style long-range artillery that can shoot for several miles, uh, high-explosive 155, 185 projectiles uh, that are, you know, have, you know, 100-meter blast radius, and, and they have thousands of these pieces, uh, I want to say four to 5,000 artillery pieces in their inventory. Several thousand of those are on the border and can range Seoul, Korea with 10 to 15 to 20 million people, depending upon which artillery weapon we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So anything that we do, uh, all they've got to do is pull the lanyard one time on all these artillery pieces and a lot happens in Seoul that's not good. Death, destruction, tens of thousands of people will be um, hurt and killed in the first salvo. And so uh, anything that we do that would trigger them pulling those lanyards uh, is, is uh, you know, not good for the economy, the people, or anything of South Korea, which is not good for the world. Uh, thinking in macro terms, you're, you've got Japan, South Korea, and China, three of the world's largest um, economic drivers right there. So there's yeah. a lot hang, hanging in the balance here. And it's well, General, I've only, got about, I've only got about 30 seconds here before the bottom of the hour uh, update here. So sure. let me just ask you really quickly about China, because you mentioned them. Are they a friend or foe in this regard? Because they don't seem to be behaving like grownups in all of this. No, I, I, don't, I don't think they're a friend at all. I think what they are is a geopolitical player that's going to um, serve their best interests. And if you noticed on the G20 meeting, uh, President Xi is meeting with Putin before Putin meets with um, Trump. So yep. that's, that's um, you know, this is high-stakes poker going on right now. And Russia and China, uh, their gambit ha- has been to – um, broker deal with North Korea. North Korea will stop testing if America gets its troops out of the Korean, Korean Peninsula and quits its military exercises. Well, that's Russia and China serving their interests to diminish American power in that region. So well, I think they're going to be serving their own interests. General, I think you're at your spot on about that. Retired Brigadier General Tony Tata, everybody. The book, the name of it is called Three Minutes to Midnight. Pick it up. Sir, we'll get you back on. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Great, Chris. Thank you. All right. And before we scoot off to the break, let me just revisit, if we can, that soundbite from David Ignatius. I'll say something that in some ways is, is uh, uh, sympathetic to, to, to Trump, but as I traveled across Syria meeting with um, Syrian uh, fighters who were trying to take down the regime of Bashar al-Assad. Every time the name President Trump was mentioned, there were, there were cheers from the audience. Uh, one Syrian Kurdish commander uh, used a vulgar term in Spanish, it would be cojones, to describe the, what President uh, Trump has got. Yeah, what Trump has got and what President Obama didn't have. Why they, why they like him. More seriously, um, the big attacks that have taken place around Raqqa, one in particular, a surprise landing by helicopter, I was told 
by a t the top U.S. commanders would not have taken place if it hadn't been for President Trump's decision to delegate military authorities mm -hmm. down to the level of command. Down to the level of command. Now, there is more to this. David Ignatius wasn't done. And putting the decision-making process in the general's hands, he... The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. One in particular, a surprise landing by helicopter. I was told by a t the top U.S. commanders would not have taken place if it hadn't been for President Trump's decision to delegate military authorities mm -hmm. down to the level of command. I mean, under Obama, that would have taken a couple weeks of White House meetings, and then they still wouldn't have made up their mind. I, that is so pointed and so true. And as we we touched base with the general that during the era of resident Obama, those who were making decisions were as I, what did I call them? Weasels, liberal weasels who were worried about politics rather than actually winning a battle. And of course they should never have been given authority to tell generals what to do, but they were by Obama's white house because they were playing politics with uh, our fighting men and women. And, President Obama had no desire to win anything for the United States. Uh, whether it was uh, correcting his mistake of the formation of ISIS, and the formation of ISIS was 100% Barack Obama's responsibility. And uh, he was, and we said this from the very beginning, it was all window dressing, doing the bare bones minimum just to claim he was doing something and the folks who are on the ground who were dying living with the consequences of Barack Obama's screw up and his unwillingness to fix his screw up uh, were gratified to hear that America was under new management and that listen to the evaluation again and then listen to what this engagement meant to the overall effort. Not have taken place if it hadn't been for President Trump's decision to delegate military authorities mm -hmm. down to the level of command. I mean, under Obama, that would have taken a couple weeks of White House meetings and then they still wouldn't have made up their mind. In this case, there was not one meeting. They just said to General Townsend, who's the commander in Baghdad, you decide. And three days later, these Kurds who'd never seen a, an airplane or helicopter had been helicoptered across the lake for a surprise attack that is probably the most daring and decisive of the war. The most daring and decisive of the war. That's David Ignatius from the Washington Post saying that a decisive action would never have happened under resident Obama. Because the man was always busy navel gazing. And he never wanted to be seen as standing up for the United States of America. And he never was. And he never did. We said this yesterday. We heard Nikki Haley talking about, uh, talking to the United Nations about the actions of North Korea. And you got the impression, and we said this yesterday, that there was a new sheriff in town. That this isn't the old regime. This is a, a new administration that is saying, we take world security and our own security seriously. So much so that we, are, we see what North Korea is doing. And if you're supporting North Korea, guess what? 
you're just as bad. The United States is prepared to use the full range of our capabilities to defend ourselves and our allies. One of our capabilities lies with our considerable military forces. We will use them if we must, but we prefer not to have to go in that direction. We have other methods of addressing those who threaten us and of addressing those who supply the threats. We have great capabilities in the area of trade. President Trump has spoken repeatedly about this. I spoke with him at length about it this morning. There are countries that are allowing, even encouraging, trade with North Korea in violation of UN Security Council resolutions. Such countries would also like to continue their trade such countries would also like to continue their trade arrangements with the United States. That's not going to happen. So not only is she and Trump putting the North Koreans on notice, but if you're like <clears throat> China and other people who were saying, well, um, we're going to want to make money off the communists and their destabilization of the world. Guess what? You're not going to be able to use America. To trade, you're not going to be able to trade with America to continue to do that. We're not going to support your efforts. You're either going to work with us or you're going to work with the communists. You're either going to work with us or you're going to work with the freedom-robbing individuals over in North Korea. You're not going to be able to have both. So, uh, again, just a change in tone and of mindset. Uh, we mentioned Colin Kaepernick yesterday. Ellie, were you uh, were you listening when I talked about? You know, do you know who Colin Kaepernick is? No. He is um, the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. He was over in what he refers to as his home, Ghana. I- I'm assuming he's an American, so I assume he's talking about his ancestral home. Anyway, he went over there and trashed the United States of America <laughs> on on the Fourth of July. <sighs> And I also expressed that since Colin Kaepernick isn't doing anything, because he goes, no, for some, for some odd reason, nobody wants to, uh, nobody wants to hire him over here. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Colin Kaepernick was the, the idiot, Black Lives Matter fool, who would not stand for the, for the national anthem during football games. He would take a knee. Yeah, that guy. So anyway, uh, that's going on, and in the state in which I broadcast, hey, this was national news, so I can tell you all about it. We're coming up on the anniversary of those five police officers who were gunned down by some Black Lives Matter kook. Remember, these, what, was, what was ironic about this is that these five police officers were on duty that night protecting Black Lives Matter protesters. And some left-wing freak who believed all of the rhetoric that was being spewed by Democrats and by the sitting occupier of the Oval Office, Barack Obama, decided that uh, he was going to take matters into his own hands and go, and go shooting people. Cops. Because they didn't like cops. And we all know the sound bites, you know, pigs in a blanket, frying like bacon. That's, that's the Black Lives Matter mantra. And by the way, do you guys remember when Deputy Darren Goforth down in Houston was slain? And we told you guys about that. Well, 
there was a Black Lives Matter leader by the name of King Noble, sp spelled as it sounds, King Noble. Little experiment, when you get a chance, go to Google. Try to find the video that I'm about ready to play a portion of. You can't find it. You know why? Because it's been stricken from the web. Because Black Lives Matter had a real hard time claiming they were a peaceful organization when they had protests in the streets, pigs in a blanket, frying like bacon, and calling for the death of cops and white people like King Noble had done. By the way, there was a Blaze write-up on, on King Noble. The Blaze has a write-up on him. The videos that were embedded in the Blaze write-up are no longer any good because somebody took them down. As typical leftists do, they, they want to propagandize and they want to hide the truth to perhaps one day change history. Re revisionist history oh no king king noble never said this to me what the houston texas brutal execution before the public represents to me is this open season on killing whites and white police officers and probably killing cops period it's open season now he may have been successful or the black lives matter organization may have been successful, the Democrat Party, whoever, whoever's ever behind these people, some, some left-wing constituency may have been successful of scrubbing this little rant from this Black Lives Matter leader off the, off the internet. But guess what? We still have it. We live in a time where the white man will be picked off and there's nothing he can do about it. His day is up, his time is up. We will witness more executions and killing of white people and cops than we ever have before. We see with the Houston, Texas shooting, and we see with the news reporting shooting in Virginia. It's about to go down. It's open season on killing white people and crackers. So, uh, you guys will have a hard time finding anything on this guy. They're, they're trying to scrub him. And this got me thinking today to the nature of our political adversaries and enemies. This, this type of revisionist history was undertaken by left-wing despotic regimes throughout human history. It never happened. But no, I saw it. It not happened. It did not happen. And we're seeing something to this effect now with this guy in particular. Why? Because... Every conservative talk show host in the country played this. And part of the left wing's ability to succeed is to be able to convince you that they are not who they really are. And this is who they really are. White people with a misconception about their racial identity and their, their supremacy, their lack of compassion for minorities, taking advantage of the lack of political power that minorities have. They're just overall devilishment. Their desire to dominate over other people and to exploit other people for the economic gains of their counties and their states. This will be the responsibility of deaths to come, of white people and white police officers, and the deaths that have already taken place in the past. You're responsible, Cracker. You're responsible for the death of 
white cops. Yeah. You know what? I think we paid our penance. We uh, elected the first black president twice. And uh, we paid a dear price in this country for it. He uh, he did your he did your work, King Noble. He worked very hard to harm the United States of America. I think we've paid our penance. I think we're done now. I don't think we want to tolerate you folks anymore. You racists, you violent thugs in Black Lives Matter and in every other left wing group, because we all know what you're doing. This isn't about some race war. This isn't about some advancement of equality. It's about one thing. It's about advancing liberalism. It's about advancing collectivism and control over other people. And we'll fight you on it every step of the way. I'll be back in a minute. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris. The Chris Salcedo Show. Um, wanted to make a mention really quickly, too, as we're marking the solemn anniversary in, in the state of Texas, in the city of Dallas, tomorrow, of those five police officers gunned down. There was one that was gunned down in New York City. Assassinated, they are saying. And we took exception to this, to this atmosphere that was created by the American left over the last eight years. On the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, downright tragedy. This officer sitting in the in this van, this command center, this rolling command center, and some guy just shows up with a gun and just guns her down. Beautiful black police officer uh, who, of course, just, just doing her duty and was, and was assassinated for no reason. That was how the constabulary is putting it. Last thing I wanted to talk about was... Uh, this case out of, out of England, Charlie Gard, 11-month-old 11, 11 baby who's in bad shape. And the courts over there have said, nope, we're not going to let him go to get treatment elsewhere. And uh, Krauthammer was asked about this last night. Listen to all of his response. If I were the judge to come in asked to make a ruling, I would allow the child to die. He can't see, he can't hear, he can't speak, he can't swallow, and he has no control, he can't move, and he has terrible epilepsy. I've had a breathing tube in me for weeks on end, as he does, and it is a life of agony and great distress. I could protest I was an adult, he can't. But I'm not the objective judge, and I think there's one principle that overrides all this, and that is, in the end, it should be the parents who decide. You've got to have a highest authority here. It seems to me the highest authority always has to be the parents. I don't believe for a minute that there's a treatment that's going to make a difference. But if the parents want to try it, we ought to let them. I kind of agree with his last sentiment. The ultimate authority to the benefit of the child cannot be the state. It must always remain the parents. Now, here in America, we find the concept of the state taking over the well-being of our children foreign, but they've gone down this road in Europe. And there's another 
bit of subtext here, folks. Remember, we talked the last couple of days about the medical system over in the UK, how it is socialist, and how it is under fire, mostly from conservatives in a free market like the United States. And there is an element over there that if this child can be helped in a capitalist system, that it would undermine the message to the British people that socialism is the answer to everything. And they can't allow that to happen. So I believe there are some over there who were willing to let this little baby die so that socialism and left-wing ideology can live on. Remember, everybody, a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. Friday, tomorrow. See you then, folks. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network.